Welcome to Louisiana Lefty, a podcast about politics and community in Louisiana, where we make the case that the health of the state requires a strong progressive movement fueled by the critical work of organizing on the ground. Our goal is to democratize information, demystify party politics, and empower you to join the mission because victory for Louisiana requires you. I'm your host, Linda Woolard. On this episode, Frederick Bell, who visited with us in the season one episode, Fantastically Forward, returns to the podcast to talk about the work he's doing with the Hub Project in Washington, D.C. As our Louisiana legislative session has consumed much of Louisiana's focus and continued to grind us down, Frederick talks about the work being done by activists to affect change at the federal level. Thankfully, Louisiana Voices managed to stay front and center in Washington, D.C., which I maintain is essential for the survival of our state. So while we continue to celebrate the work of our local organizers here at home, we also like to keep an eye on the work being done on behalf of Louisiana from outside our state. Frederick Bell, welcome back to Louisiana Lefty. I am so excited to be back. Thanks for having me back. (laughs) Always so good to see you. You're in Washington, D.C. now. You're on your way to New Orleans soon, you said, but you're currently in Washington, D.C. where you work, right? Yeah, this is where I work and New Orleans is where I play. Um, So this is a nice balance, I tell you. I have to get out of Washington sometimes. So I did an episode with you in the first season of Louisiana Lefty, where we do the whole how we met and what your personal political origin story is and all of that. I'll link to that in the episode notes so folks can go back and hear more about you there. But I wanted to have you back on because you're doing some, I think, really important work with the Hub Project. And I wanted you to talk a little bit more about what that is. I just, before you do, I just want to mention that we talked a lot last year about those Senate races. So you were really vital in helping me pinpoint what Senate races we really should be focusing on to help keep the Senate. And you were pretty spot on on your analysis there. So you were very (laughs) helpful in that. But anyway, tell me about the Hub Project and what you're working on now, because it's fascinating. Uh, Awesome. Um, Yeah. So for those who don't know, the Hub Project, you know, we are a progressive nonprofit organization based in Washington, D.C., and we work uh, to sort of advance issues. You know, we're issue advocacy. We don't work on behalf of candidates, but on behalf of issues. And uh, a campaign that we're working on right now is called Courage for America. And the whole campaign, the idea is to sort of defeat uh, the MAGA extremism and the political violence that sort of comes out of that and to remind people that we do need more courage in our politics because in my view um i think it is a lack of courage by many members from the republican party who are using the violence and the sort of maga language and the conspiracy theories because they view that as what they need to do to win and it's on behalf of that and not on behalf of what's best for their country. So I think it's um, quite shameful. And um, I, I'm, I'm so excited that we have the opportunity to be a part of this campaign, 
Um, it's a campaign that was formed with a bipartisan council of people from all over the country uh, who, uh, who have had enough and who are ready to speak up and speak out about what's happening. You have some heavy hitters helping you out with this campaign, don't you? We do. Yes, we have um, former uh, D.C. police officer Michael Fanone, who was a part of the um, sort of squadron that responded on January 6th in 2021. And he almost lost his life defending the Capitol on that day. Um, you had people with Blue Lives Matter flags uh, hitting him with the flag. And uh, he almost, he had a heart attack and, and almost died. He had, you know, I think bear spray sprayed in his face. Um, he is someone who loves his country and voted for Donald Trump in 2016 and then quickly saw the damage that that for the former president had done to the country. Um, and so he decided to join the council. And he's been uh, someone who's been incredible um, speaking out. Um, inspiring all of us to keep going. And I think he's someone who truly exemplifies true courage uh, to just respond on that day um, and give his life, uh, almost give his life for, for the country and uh, to speak out when it's not popular. You know, many of his friends who are, you know, police officers or, or Republicans who were like, you know, what are you doing? Um, but it's hard to to sort of look at him and his life and his and his uh it, what he had gone through on that day, uh, and not say that this is an extraordinary profile and courage with Michael Fanon. So, what kind of actions are you doing with Courage yeah. for America? What kind of work is happening there? Right. So right now we um are we're doing a lot. <laughs> we are doing a lot, and it's. Um, about how do we just communicate to people what's going on, right? How do we communicate all of the crazy things that you're seeing on the news and that you're reading if you don't understand it or like you're sick of it? Like, how do we make it real for people? So we're trying to make it real for people and um, and bring it home. So, you know, we just sort of got done with this national bus tour uh, that we took across the country. We started off in Bakersfield, uh, California, which is... Speaker Kevin McCarthy's home turf. So we started there to say, Kevin McCarthy, you and your MAGA Republican Congress uh, need to back off our benefits because, you know, we understand with the whole default crisis that's happening right now, um, Republicans are holding the economy hostage and saying that we are not going to agree to pay the bills that we already set out uh, to, to pay. Um, if Democrats, President Biden, if you don't decide to cut people's benefits, that's your Social Security, your Medicare, your Medicaid. And many people are like, oh, wait, we've worked our whole lives for these benefits. Veterans, yeah, we fought for this country. And now you can't take care of us when we come back. So um, we, we started off there in Bakersfield with that message, with people from the, from the community to say, back off our benefits. And we went across the country with the different districts, um, gathering people uh, to talk about their personal experiences and what they would lose, what they have to lose in this uh, in this fight. And I think that a lot of people helped them um, realize that everything, all politics are local. And 
what's happening here in, in Washington um, can really affect your grandmother, you know, who worked her whole life, but into the Social Security. And now that she may not be able to retire with the kind of dignity that she deserves because Republicans are willing to sacrifice that in order to give tax breaks to billionaires. because That's what it's about. Yeah, the White House has actually released fact sheets for every state, and I'll be happy to link in the episode notes if we default on our debt. It shows like what actually will happen in Louisiana if they don't raise the debt ceiling. Um, Which they did three times under President Trump, and they talk about the deficit, but it's never an issue when uh, there's a Republican president. It's time to get it done. So it's the hypocrisy, which I mean, we shouldn't be surprised by. No. But um. And, yeah. it, and hypocrisy doesn't even move voters at this point because they just expect it. It's baked into the cake. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's not a thing. So. Well, and even if they do come to an agreement on the debt ceiling. These benefits are something it looks like the Republicans really want to go after regardless. Aren't, isn't that looking like the case? Oh, yeah. I mean, this has been their playbook from the beginning. I mean, I don't know how you can look at the just opinion polling on the popularity of these programs, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, veterans benefits, and you want to take a sledgehammer, you want to slice and dice these things that people depend on to live um, with respect and dignity. It it just doesn't make sense to me. It's not a winning platform, um, but for some reason they think it is, and I'm not sure why. So, um, but yeah, so they're using this as, uh, uh, I guess, as, as a wedge to, trying to make it happen. But I'm so happy that uh, I'm happy with uh, leader Jeffries, Hakeem Jeffries, the Democratic leader, um, and President Biden for standing firm and saying, we need a clean debt ceiling uh, raise with no conditions. All right. You cannot hold the economy hostage, especially when you're doing it in order to uh, protect tax breaks for for the wealthy and sort of stick it to the middle class. It's not right. So your bus tour, you were using both a communication strategy, I guess, of trying to get earned media about what was happening with the folks that you had on the ground at each of these stops. Was there also an element where you had folks reaching out to their Congress people? So we did have um, people, uh, some of our spokespeople submit LTEs, the letter to the editor, for each of the uh, districts. Uh, so the day of... You know, you'd pick up the local newspaper, you'd be reading a letter about backing off our benefits and someone talking about their personal experience um, with any one of the social programs. And then um, we had local media that would also come out to some of the stops and, you know, then be on the local news at at six o'clock. And we really tried to, there's often a vacuum of information. and it's missing and we want to come in and try to help fill that gap, but not just parachute in having people who are from there, right. And giving them the resources to help uplift their voice. Cause most times people know what they need to say. They just, they don't know how to, how to communicate it or, or know how to get it out to a wide enough audience. And so uh, we try to come in with the skills and expertise uh, to help people fulfill their potential uh, and being effective uh, people, you know, persuaders in their community. So, you know, and I think we did a good job. We're going through legislative session here in Louisiana. And so there's always this balance of trying to get 
folks to understand they have to engage with our state legislators because those offices matter so much. But sometimes when we're in session, it's hard to remember that we also have to engage with the federal offices because these other things are so impactful for us as well. Are there things people in Louisiana could do to plug into what you're doing with Courage for America? Yeah, I mean, well, you can go to our website, courageforamerica.org. It's courage for F-O-R, America.org. And um, so to look at what we're doing, look at the uh, news releases. Um, you know, we do, um, you know, the bus tours we really like got outside of Washington. Um, but uh, hopefully we'll be doing more things like that. And I think it's also just important to really um, pay attention to uh, the news. But I say this as someone who, you know, growing up in Louisiana, I, you, know, you try to go to the New York Times or the Washington Post. And that's a good place to get information. But I'm like, man, it's hard to make sense of all, all of this, right? So I really like this uh, newsletter, uh, Punchbowl News. All right, Punchbowl News. If you're, if you're not subscribed to Punchbowl News, it's free. Um, subscribe to Punchable News. They give you a breakdown of what's happening. They bold the names. They bold the important stuff. It's little bullet points. It's digestible. You can you can get it. All right, and, they, and they'll link to a bigger story if you want to dive in a little bit more. But Punchbowl really helps give you a rundown. Like here's what's happening in Washington today. And it was there. You know, we learned. Oh well, Congressman Garrett Graves, who represents Louisiana's sixth congressional district is actually the architect behind the uh, default plan that Speaker McCarthy uh, and the rest of the caucus is trying to get passed right now. So you have Garrett Graves, who was our congressman, who was you know, sort of flying under the radar, gets doing these things, and no one is really like holding him accountable. And uh, so I can see it, you know, if I'm the congressman and um, in my state, no one's coming to me about what I'm doing. I say, well, I must be doing a good job. So I think it's, it's important to, to be aware and to and to say, hey, you know, help me understand why you're doing this. I depend on my Social Security and, and you're trying to cut it. Like, you know, look me in the eye and tell me that I should be OK with uh, less than a poverty wage. All right. So. You know, this is uh, what's happening, and I think uh, it's really important to uh, try to stay informed. And Punchbowl News is a great source, um, resource, and Axios as well is another good one. Um, Axios News, and there's a new Axios New Orleans newsletter as well, which I'm happy that was uh, released. Um, so check out those uh, resources and do what you can uh, stay involved. I love those tips. Well, you at the Hub Project saw that the House was probably not going to stay in Democratic hands before the election, and you started preparing for a Republican House. Yes. Well before Election Day. What other projects do y'all have going on besides Courage for America? Is that your main project? I know. I know you traditionally have. A, a few headline projects that you're working on, but yeah, so we have the courage. We have courage for America that campaign, and we have um, the House Accountability War Room. Um, and the House Accountability War Room um, is mainly for you know sort of DC insider types to to come and sort of learn about 
some polling and messaging, and it's really get some insight on uh, sort of the beltway. So that's what the House Accountability War Room is about. Courage for America is just about uh, getting getting information out there to everyday people, uh, and just trying to make it real for people. So those are our two lanes um, for our team. We have another team that sort of focuses more <clears throat> in uh, each specific district. So, you know, there were 18 districts that Biden won in 2020, but then were won in 2022 by a Republican and really by a, a very slim margin. So the strategy of um, all of us really, but, but that team in particular um, is to decide which of these districts can we have the most impact in, right? Going into that district and doing what we can to, to move the numbers just a little bit to hopefully the next time in 2024, um, it, the result will be a little different. So, so, so those are that you're heavily targeted district, the ones that Biden won, but the Democratic congressional candidate did not. Exactly. So and the Republican one. So we're trying our best to um, really hold them accountable for what some of the really truly MAGA extremist members like Marjorie Taylor Greene or Matt Gates or Jim Jordan, right? They, they're in R plus 30 districts, right? Um, meaning that you, know, you can put a glass of water with an R behind it and it'll win that district, as Nancy Pelosi would say. Um, but yeah, so we are trying to flip those seats because, I mean, that's how you build power. And I mean, if you look at it, because really it's a larger structural issue with our democracy, um, uh, it's not truly representative of right, right. people using this country, right? We have a Supreme Court that is does not represent the majority of the views in this country. And we are supposed to be a majoritarian democracy, but right now there's minority rule. That's been that's on, only because of how the system is set up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's gerrymandering in the House. When the House is supposed to be a little bit better, but there's gerrymandering in the House. And um, it's, it's, it's leading to outcomes that are not uh, what people want. I think if we continue down that path, uh, people are going to get fed up. They're going to get frustrated. And so we, we, we try, we're trying to fix democracy uh, and keep the peace and um, do, do the best we can to just to make sure um, the democratic will of the people uh, is, is actually met. And I always try to remind folks that regardless of who we put in as our federally elected officials, whoever has the balance of power in Washington, D.C. impacts Louisiana hugely. Absolutely. More Absolutely. than many other states. It really impacts us. Yeah. That's right. And we are on the front lines of so many important issues, climate being number one. In my opinion, um, climate, if we don't get control of our uh, climate is going to control us. And we are truly um, seeing the devastating impact along our coast and the impact it's having on our people. I mean, Louisiana is declining in population. And that isn't in, in part due to uh, the economy. You can't hard to attract businesses here if they think that. Uh, the state's going to be on the water uh, in, in just a few years. And if, if it's hard to attract businesses, it's hard to attract people. And 
that's going to be the, the story for the next few years and decades. And, and uh, it, it's saddens me to see what's what's happening. And that's why I'm just so passionate about how we turn this thing around. Um, and so, you know, I see Devontae Lewis back there uh, in your photo. I'm excited for what he's doing on the Public Service Commission to try to turn things around. Happy about that. Um, but we need more. We need more aggressive action. And uh, definitely there needs to be more aggressive action uh, in Congress. Um, right there, right now, there is not. Um, but such is life. We will continue fighting. For sure. Do y'all, are y'all at the Hub Project talking about 2024 yet? I mean, it's a big election year here in Louisiana. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't want to downplay that. But are y'all looking at that year? Do y'all have thoughts on House and Senate? I think the work we're doing right now is sort of preparing for that, right? But um, uh, we haven't gotten too specifically deep into specific, uh, you know, Senate seats or or, or House seats. Um, like I said, I mean, we focus primarily on issues. So those are your main two things that you're working on at this point, the House Accountability War Room and Courage for America. And yes. I'll make sure I have links to any thing you've mentioned in the episode notes is there yeah. anything else that you're working on right now that folks should know about the hub project yeah that's it the courage for american house accountability war room it's keeping you busy <laughs> that's it's, keep, it's keeping it's keeping us busy i can i can add that we have a council right i, I mentioned i alluded to the council that's bipartisan it's, it's across the country but you know we are looking to expand the council looking you know for diverse voices uh maybe a person of color who voted for trump and you know has switched decided to switch his uh switched their mind about that because you know there's a, we are the democratic party is losing a lot of people of color and mm -hmm. a lot of um people in the latin latin you know latinx community as well so we need to be thinking about ways to re-engage them and um, the council is, is, is a good way to to do that and think about what issues are, are truly impacting them and how we can hopefully, um, you know, get some movement around it. Is, is the Hub Project left-leaning? Yes, okay. that's fair to say. Yeah, <laughs> it's left-leaning. Fair yeah. enough, fair enough. Frederick, I really appreciate, I know you've got somewhere to hop off to in just a minute. I know you're you, you stay busy, but I appreciate your letting me know what's going on with the Hub Project. Like I said, I'll be sure to put links and please make sure you're keeping us informed if there's ways that people can engage or should engage with the work you're doing. Uh, there, I guess there could be a, a moment where you decide to do one of your actions in Louisiana if it made sense to do so. So. Yeah, no. I if I have my way, I, I want to do a lot of work in Louisiana across the South. We uh, the South needs more investment. I mean, I love what someone said once. Uh, you know, one of the states here. You know, it's not a red state. It is a uh, low voter turnout state. Um, it's a voter suppression state, and I, I think just with the amount of um, uh, attacks on. Um, our democracy and on, on people's like economic well-being and many states here in the south louisiana was ranked last all right in the, in the recent uh, ranking of states uh even below mississippi 
when you're below Mississippi, you know, you got a problem. Uh, no offense to my Mississippi uh, friends, but um, but yeah, so that's where we are, and it's a lot of issues that uh, contribute to that, and it, we can't let the people um, of the South uh, fall by the wayside. We just can't let it happen. We got to fight. Well, thank you for everything you're doing. Let me pivot to the last three questions. Yes. And I ask, and I'll ask you a slightly different version of them, because again, you were on the first season of Louisiana Lefty, so people can go listen to your answers there for the traditional question. Frederick, what do you see as the greatest threat to democracy right now? Hopefully, we don't see any more Republicans or prominent Republicans denying election results. Uh, but even at the local level, denying election results are just becoming the new uh, GOP de jour. If you lose your race and you don't like the result, just say, oh, it's it's rigged. And people believe that. And it's 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 a big problem. And then I think the other issue is just the, the structural issues that uh, we're facing that's going to take a long time to deal with. You know, um, I read this piece uh, a few days ago that said we're in a constitutional stasis. We haven't amended the Constitution uh, in a very, very long time. And maybe it is time to do that as we look at the structure of the Supreme Court that is very undemocratic, uh, the Senate, which is very undemocratic, and then the House as well, which is... Um, and been gerrymandered to the point of uh, you can't even recognize some of these districts the way they twist and turn. Uh, uh, it's it's just it's ridiculous. It's disgusting. It's na naked political uh, power grabbing. Uh, what happened in Tennessee with those two lawmakers, uh, Justin Pearson and and, uh, and Justin, um, the other Justin, jo two Jones, Justin, Justin Jones. Yeah, yeah, Justin Jones. Yes. Um, like the, that's a big problem. People you just don't like your opponents, so you got to kick them out of the legislature. And um, I'm more and more worried about that. That is happening across the country. I mean, tech, Tennessee was the first real blow up of that where we saw it across the nation starting to go on national news. But then there's right. been legislature Montana, after legislature Montana since then. With uh, the young, the young uh, person there who's a transgender representative who they. Zoe Zephyr, yeah. Zoe Zephyr, yes. So Not yeah, really. it's 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 a problem. <laughs> yeah, but well, we we're in the fight together, so we got to we got to keep it up, and uh, we can save our democracy. Well, what do you see as the biggest hope for democracy? Well, I was inspired by the you know what happened in the aftermath of the Justin Jones and Justin Pearson situation. Uh, you know, people coming together, young and old, black and white, saying this isn't right, and so I think. I mean, the more aggressive and this the naked political power grabbing, like what the Tennessee legislature did, um, which I like what James Carville said recently, uh, the Speaker of the House there looks like the kind of guy that uh, failed, but that was held back at homeschool. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's, but truly, it, it is stupid. Um, to do this and it's not just stupid it's more i think it's morally wrong um and again it just, just display it displays a lack of courage uh but when people see it and they respond in kind with um just a truly hopeful message of this isn't right and we're going to stand up and fight for these people uh i think that that gives me a lot of hope so more of that more of that um 
And when you see something that's not right, you stand up and fight against it. Go I mentioned on a Lefty Lanyap we did with Joel Emerson that in the days following the expulsion of the two Justins, there was a voter registration group on the ground in Tennessee called the Equity Alliance yeah. that in less than a month hit their full year's goals for voter registration in Tennessee. Yeah. So people are waking up and 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 we just have to keep waking people up and making sure keep they understand the power Step of their vote. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that gives me a lot of hope. You said on on the first episode that Fantastic Four was your favorite superheroes. Oh yeah, my favorite comic book superheroes. Yes. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh wow, um, there's so many I would want, but I'd love to be able to. Uh, I'm say something nerdy, like read something like in, in under a minute read a whole book in under a minute and understand it that'd be great i think that would that's the key to wealth uh my what i would say as a kid i i would want to fly i guess uh, uh flying would be fun but i think i would take the reading super duper fast uh that would be i think just doing everything fast i, I, I would be the, the flash i'd be the flash i'd run really fast i'd read really fast i do a lot of things really fast uh, and the Flash is really cool. It has a cool movie coming out soon. And I can't wait to see that. So uh, let's go with the Flash. I'll be the Flash. I love that. All right, Frederick, thank you so much for checking in with me again. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, of course. No, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for everything you're doing, Linda. I mean, you're truly inspiration to so many people, not just in Louisiana, but it's, the, it's around the world, I'm sure, who are listening. Thank you to your listeners. I hope this was informative. Um, and yeah, this is, this is great. So thank you. Thank you for listening to Louisiana Lefty. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you to Ben Collinsworth for producing Louisiana Lefty. Jen Pack of Black Cat Studios for our super lefty artwork. And Thousand Dollar Car for allowing us to use their Swamp Pop Classic Security Guard as our Louisiana Lefty theme song.